Hello, lovely people. Welcome to Camila Cava Food Photography Podcast, a place where I interview talents in food photography industry to learn ins and outs to help you and myself grow food photography career. In this episode, I'm speaking with food photographer Darina Kopchok. She is also a food photography teacher at Vancouver Institute of Media Arts and contributing writer to Pro Edu and Digital Photography School. When researching about stock photography, I came across her article, Selling Photos, How to Make Money from Photography. It was an inspiring and educational article to me, and so I decided to invite Darina on my podcast. She tells us a lot about stock photography, how to approach it, what is the difference between micro stock and premium stock, what stock companies are out there, and even more. So, without further ado, let's welcome Darina. Hi, Darina. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you I'm so much for having me. I'm very excited to have you here. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. Thank you. It's so, great to be here. Yay. So for the listeners that might not know you, could you tell a little bit about who you are and what do you do? Okay. So my name is Darina and I'm a food photographer based in Vancouver, British Columbia uh, in Canada. And I'm also an educator. So I educate in food photography at a local art college here and I also do online mentorship and um, you know coaching that kind of thing with emerging photographers and also do some writing for various websites and and product creation like my own ebook and uh, so it's really a combination of food photography and teaching about food photography. Right and how did you become a food photographer? How long have you been photographing food? Um, so I've been photographing food till since 2009, so it's been a while. Um, it hasn't been full-time that whole period, but um, it's a bit of a long story, actually. Um, I started um, 2009 with the economic downturn. I had lost my teaching job at the time, um, like a lot of people, and uh, started food blogging, actually, at that time. So I came to photography through food blogging. I had been a writer in the past. I did um, my education in creative writing and thought that I should do something with my writing on the side while I was looking for a job and basically retraining for a new career at the time and started writing for some food magazines because I'd already, you know, um, really enjoyed food and had always been cooking and that kind of thing. And I started the blog as really a writing project and a way for editors to be able to see my writing while I was pitching. But it became very clear early on that I actually enjoyed the food photography more than I enjoyed the writing or blogging or creating recipes. So I was never actually a very good, consistent um, food blogger. So I decided to go to photography school because I was struggling quite a bit with the technical side and teaching myself. So um, I had retrained for a new career as a career counselor and started going to photography school. So it took me several years to do that uh, while I was working full time, but eventually graduated and then basically just started my business full time about um, five years ago now. Oh, and nice. shooting full-time since and then slowly getting back into, um, you know, teaching and mentorship because right. that is basically 
um, what I was doing before I even started photography. I had a background in teaching, went to school for career counseling and, and coaching. So I brought those skills in to what I do as well as the writing. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so actually, I wanted to ask, how did you become uh, better in food photography? Um, I really think that it's something that even if you've been shooting for years, like I have, uh, that you always need to practice and shoot as much as you can, especially with food. You might not actually have the chance to shoot a lot unless you create that time for yourself. Uh, whereas other photographers, maybe like portrait photographers, they always need a person as a subject, right? Um, and they need to organize that. But you can shoot at home because you don't really need a lot of space. And, um, you know, whether you're working full time or you have a part time job, there's always time that you can carve out for yourself to do that. And I think it's also really important to keep educating yourself. Um, when I first started out, there really weren't very many people teaching about this or talking about mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. The resources even for um, learning at home were very, very limited. Again, this is one of the reasons why I did decide to go back to school. Like This was like about 2011 at the time when I started mm -hmm. um, learning more about the technical side of photography. And there are so many more resources and teachers available now to take advantage of that. So I think yeah. it's really a combination of... Um, learning from others that are a few steps ahead of you and practicing as much as you can, whether you Definitely. have clients or not. Right. Because I notice for myself yeah. that, you know, if I get really busy with, you know, teaching and clients and other things that I'm doing and I'm not shooting as much, it's almost like I feel like I'm not in the flow or a little bit rusty after a week or two of not, not shooting yeah. all the time. Right. So True. Um, I think it's just really important to practice your craft as much as you can. Yeah. And constantly shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. Not shoot. only for clients, but also for portfolio, which I think yeah. is also important. Yeah. For your portfolio. And then again, with clients, you know, one thing that I find as a food photographer is that I'm not actually working with clients as many other photographers might work with clients because there's so much that goes into a commercial food shoot right there's the pre-production post-production you know meeting with clients um you know so if you're doing you know four shoots in a month that could be a lot right um that's usually the most that i ever want to do whereas for a portrait photographer they might do four in a week quite easily right so yeah. um when you're shooting for clients it just might not be as often and it is three or four times a month enough practice uh, to improve your photography, it, it might not be, right? Yeah, especially in the beginning. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, I was very curious to speak to you as well, because I think your portfolio is so gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I saw on the website. It's, it's wonderful. Um, but to be honest, how I found you is because I read an article that you wrote, mm -hmm. uh, which is called Selling Photos, How to Make Money from Photography. So I really, uh, right now, really want to dive uh, into that topic with you. Great. And obviously things are very different now because of COVID-19. Um, mm. So I'm curious to kind of compare um, and talk about how you were doing before uh, the okay. crisis hit mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, how it is right now. And uh, 
the first thing is um, selling stock images because mm-hmm. I know you've been selling stock images. Uh, so mm-hmm. I was wondering how did you jump onto it? Um, how does it work and how it is now with the crisis here? Okay, sure. Yeah, I'd love to expand more that, more on that. Um, so mm-hmm. when I started my business, as I mentioned, I was one of these people that just... Um, you know, went from part-time to full-time, it basically jumped in, went full-time, um, yet my approach to business from the very beginning, and I even, you know, wrote a business plan and I mapped it all out, was um, to create multiple income streams, right? So even back then, I had a business coach, I had a business coach that specialized in photography, and um he had a contact at Offset. So Offset is a premium stock agency. They're a division of Shutterstock. And I had never really heard of them because they were pretty new at the time, like maybe less than a year or so. And they had a very different pricing model from other agencies in that they had one price for a royalty-free uh, low-res image. And they had another price for a high-res royalty-free image, and you got a percentage of that, and that was that, right? So um, it wasn't micro-stock, and it, um, so the prices were were a lot higher, which means the commissions were were better. Um, so it was, like, very straightforward, and they had uh, quite a high standard for the images that they would accept. And... I decided to apply and after a while, <laughs> it takes a little while for them to get uh-huh. back to you. Um, I had been accepted and then I went on also to sign up with Adobe Premium and Adobe Premium is, it's Adobe, but it's a division of um, their larger stock agency that's premium as well. And currently I'm also with Stocksy which is more of a, I guess, like a mid-priced agency that offers not only royalty-free, but also um, rights managed. And I can, you know, get into the difference um, Mm -hmm. about that if you like as well. But uh, that's basically how I got started. And it's something that I continue doing to this day. Again, I think it's really important to practice no matter what level you're at. And that's one of the um, things that um, I use as a repository for my photos, basically, right. my my practice images. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Because um, premium stock, can you tell a little bit more about it? Yeah. So basically, um, You know, there was a time maybe 10 years ago or more um, when photographers could actually make quite a bit of money from stock photography, several thousand dollars a month, perhaps. And then, you know, with digital getting more and more saturated and more competitive, uh, Microstock came along as basically high volume and low budget sales, right? So they're target market has always been more of the um you know lower budget tends to be just internet only Mm -hmm. um i think when we look at some of those stock photos we realize it's a stock photo it has a certain type of um production value whereas premium stock um I guess Offset was really uh, a trendsetter in this way when they started in 2015 because 
they were basically mining the um, archives of successful commercial photographers. And that's how I think they got a lot of their initial photographers working with them was by approaching them, mm -hmm. researching, seeing the portfolios. And they have always marketed themselves as um, like higher, higher level photography, higher resolution. Um, a lot of my stuff gets, you know, printed in cookbooks and magazines um, rather than internet. So, mm -hmm. the, so the market is quite different um, between, you know, micro, micro stock and premium. And as a photographer, it's definitely more difficult to get into because they have a higher standard of um, right. what they will accept aesthetically. And then there's mm -hmm. also other factors in terms of, well, what is selling right now and um, what is going to sell long term and so forth. Right. And assessing if the photographer has, um, you know, a feeling for that and is submitting mm -hmm. those kinds of things that will sell. Right. So that's basically basically the difference. And then, um, as I mentioned, I'm with Stocksy, and I would say that they're more of a, you know, a mid-priced agency where you can get royalty-free images or you can get rights-managed images, whereas, you know, Offset and Adobe Premium, they're more about the, the royalty-free, mm -hmm. although you you can, I, I believe that clients can approach them and ask to purchase the rights for a certain time frame. And then that's negotiated with the photographer, but it's not actually advertised on their website. Right. And what kind of rights we're talking about then? Like okay. a copyright? Um, so basically, you as a photographer, you always own the copyright to yeah. your photos. So when you're working with a stock agency, you're not actually selling the photos. So we always use the word selling because that's what we're used to and it's easier. But what you're actually doing is you're licensing your photos. So you keep the copyright and you are allowing a client to use the image for a certain purpose for a certain time frame. So with royalty-free, if a client purchases your image, uh, it's usually for quite a low price, but their competitors can also come along and purchase those same images to advertise their products, and therefore uh, they don't have that exclusivity that's uh, really important to a lot of clients and that clients usually get when you're doing a photo shoot for them, for example, right? Yeah. So when you're doing a photo shoot for a, a client, you should be charging, you know, a creative fee or a photographer's fee for your, your work, your labor, but you should also be charging a licensing fee. And that licensing fee um, basically gives them the security that you're not going to take those same images and sell them on stock photography or sell them to their compet um, to competitors, right? Yeah. Um, this is something that's, you know, I know also you've spoken to other guests about this yeah, definitely. sort of thing. It's, you know, it's very tricky, but it's something that photographers should be doing. And many have not been doing because they've not yep. had the knowledge about it or, or how to do this. So this has created um, a lot of, um, you know, problems in the industry. But if you go on to a stock like um, Stocksy, for example, that does sell, rights managed licenses and royalty free licenses you'll see that for a royalty free license perhaps 
the client can buy a large image for 30 US dollars. But if they want to license that image exclusively just for six months, that price goes up to about 1,200 US right. dollars, right? So mm -hmm. that, that gives you an idea of what the value um, of exclusivity is, right? Wow, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I would say that um, that's probably not a common occurrence for a lot of photographers these days, especially in the last few years for clients that are actually buying stock photography. Most of the time they just want royalty free, you know, maybe something to put in a magazine or, or, you know, they want to create a um, banner for their website or have other images on their website and um, really mm -hmm. depends, right? Like, so again, I mentioned with Offset, I noticed that uh, a lot of my files that are sold through them are high resolution and that tells me that they're being printed, right? Nice. Whereas yeah. from other sites, um, you know, if I'm selling for a lot lower price, low res, then I can assume that they're being bought to be used online. Yeah. So, right. so yeah, that's the, that's the important distinction is, you know, does the agency just sell royalty free or do they do royalty free and rights managed and That's another example of that would be um, stock food so stock food is um, I think their headquarters actually is in Germany but they might have an office in the US and they also deal in royalty free and rights managed and they're usually a good stock agency that a lot of people um, start with but again mm -hmm. to me it's a it's kind of, it, they specialize in food, but it's a little bit more almost on the Microsoft, my, Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft, <laughs> Microsoft yeah. side um, uh -huh. because uh, of right. the pricing. So the pricing is lower, the commissions mm -hmm. are lower, but uh, if somebody's interested in stock photography, um, that could be a good place to start. start. You know, there's other right. agencies as well. Um, you know, there's LMA, there's the Picture Pantry. Um, they specialize just in food and I think they're in the UK and um, they work with like a select number of food photographers and food bloggers as well. So there are quite a few agencies out there. Uh, you just have to do your research. <laughs> right. Very yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. And how would you say... Um, what would be your tips to actually get uh, into the stock agency? What kind of images mostly are we looking for? Is there anything that works better um, or doesn't work? Or, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or what do you have to have to apply even? Um, so to apply, you need to have some images for them to look at closely, I imagine, <laughs> that they're Makes looking sense. at the, uh, <laughs> images from a technical perspective and an aesthetic mm -hmm. perspective. So once you apply, it takes a little while for them to get back to you because they usually have to, um, you know, have a whole team look at it and discuss it because they tend to just work with, you know, perhaps a limited number of photographers. They don't necessarily um, take everybody. It just depends on, um, you know, what they're looking for and the level of photographer and so forth but one thing that I've noticed from doing this for a few years now is that the images that tend to sell are very generic so what I mean is images that could be used for a variety of purposes so for example fruits and vegetables 
and really basic like healthy dishes maybe granola or a bowl of oatmeal those kinds of things rather than recipes right Mm. like um, Mm. something more specific that way lately I've really noticed that there's been a surge in especially yeah the healthy type of foods and dishes and things like smoothies or you know noodles zucchini noodles oatmeal those kinds of things and also um more like keto diet I guess interesting so very trendy food basically yeah so there are trends Uh because there's always you know trends in food like you know kale and again spiralized you know noodles those kinds of things uh vegan food plant-based food is very popular super um, right now so it's really um looking at you know what the trends are and creating you know fairly simple images to submit I guess for the most part or or common images um whether they be you know um more uh western food or Mm -hmm. you know other types of food uh usually just like popular kind of images Mm -hmm. um in terms of diet and also um ingredients i guess i would say makes sense yeah right and in terms of a style would you say there is um or would you happen to know if there is a big difference between applying let's say moody shots or very light and airy um, i would say i would say really um really it depends i noticed that with my sales with offset that i do tend to to sell more of the moody images for some reason and moody imagery is something that I tend to be more known for and produce Same more here. Than... <laughs> that's why yeah. I'm asking yeah I'm yeah. curious because yeah. so, I imagine it's other way around actually I imagine airy ones would be more like popular especially with editorial but apparently yeah actually I think and that's my experience with other agencies um as well that the you know brighter lighter airier are more popular but then I did notice that with offset that I do tend to send sell more of the moodier images and they're being used for print so that's yeah that's interesting so I think Mm -hmm. you know perhaps for cookbooks um that those kind of images are are popular right now because I think there's a lot of the whole kind of like rustic sort of Mm -hmm. you know um homemade sort of look is really popular in cookbooks right now so that could be one of the reasons yeah that's also one of the trends right now indeed yeah interesting okay and in terms of the commissions how does that usually uh look like because i only from the stock photography i only tried micro stock Mm -hmm. and then i sold one of my images like 10 times or something and then i got like three euros out of it which i was very angry about and that's why i decided to take away the stock photography and not do it and apparently there's something more special like this premium stock so i'm curious Mm -hmm. how does that work in terms of the payment system Okay. Um, so basically, how, you know, how they pay you is that you get a commission, you get a percentage of the sale. And um, unfortunately, I can't tell you what the commissions are according to right. you know, my contracts, but you do get a percentage and the percentage varies according to which agency you're with, right? But with Microsoft, micro, Microstock, if they're selling the image for, you know, um, just a few dollars, and they're giving you a percentage of it, then it's not going to be that much. So no. in general, I don't really recommend micro stock 
for food photographers because for food photography, you know, not only do you have to invest in the cost of the food to actually take the shots and, you know, of course, props and all of those other things and the yeah. cost of your gear, your time to style it and shoot it. As we talked about before, food photography does take a lot of time, right? And when you're doing a shoot for a client, for example, as I mentioned earlier, that could, you know, take up a week of your time. And then if you're going to be shooting 10 photos for your stock portfolio, that might take you a day or two. And then if you're going to get $5 or $10 or 10 euros for that, right, it's not really worth it, right? So, but the important thing to remember about uh, stock, whether you are going into premium stock or more of like a a mid-priced range or something like Getty, it really is a long game. And what I mean by that is that it's something that you have to commit to for doing consistently over several years to really start making a good income from it. Right. So it's something that I recommend that you not focus on, but you not neglect either, right? So Mm -hmm. the way that I approach stock photography, I look at it as my practice time. I buy food that I'm probably going to want to cook and eat anyway, or, you know, fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, those kinds of things uh, that sell really well. And I use that time as my practice time, my time to um, practice my even editing, retouching practice and hone my workflow. So I try to look at it as something more than just stock. It's something that I'm also doing for myself. Um, as an artist and improving in my photography, I submit those images and I try to, you know, work on this every week or at least every couple of weeks and be consistent about it. And that being said, I still don't have, you know, several thousands of images um, after a few years. It does give me some some good income that makes a difference in my budget for sure, but it's not something that I really could live on at this point, right? And I knew, know some photographers are making a very good living after a few years, but they do, they do shoot a lot and they right. do submit a lot. Uh, but it takes it takes a few years to get to that point where you could actually be making you know several thousand dollars from stock mm-hmm. photography. So um, it's not like it used to be. And it's also, I think, really important to diversify, right? That you're not just with one agency, that you're with two or three other agencies. And this is another important point is that most of these agencies want exclusivity, right? So for example, if I submit to Stocksy, I cannot submit any images from that shoot to another agency. And I certainly can't submit the same images to another agency because if that client wants to purchase that image exclusively, uh, they can't do that because it's floating around out there (laughs) somewhere, right? Um, With Offset, I have a non-exclusive contract. So with the images that I have submitted to them, I also have submitted them to Adobe Premium. I also license them myself and my agent also licenses um, them through her website. So I'm able to expand the number of sales that I can make that way. Uh, Although there are some 
uh, photographers that do have an exclusive agreement with them. And I think there's more marketing efforts made um, on their behalf through the agency. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think that's the case. But for me, uh, I get more benefit from being able to sell at least some of my images through different channels. So that's just one thing right. for people to keep in mind if they're actually applying for stock agencies that a lot of them will demand image exclusivity so you can't sell them in different places right yeah. and if that's the case if they demand uh, image exclusivity how does it help having um, more agencies to sell through well basically it means that you have to shoot more <laughs> right you have to um you know, one of the ways that I like to approach it, for example, would be to have uh, the same subject, but shoot it two very different ways when I am doing a photo shoot and then submit them to two agencies. Right. When you're doing that, you just have to make sure that the images aren't similar, but there's nothing wrong with using the same subject, right? So if I'm using a, you know, chocolate cake, I might do um, a moody shot with quite a bit of props and a rustic feel, and then I may take that same chocolate uh, cake and do like a lighter, brighter sort of treatment and submit that to another agency. So that way you can actually spend a you know, little less on ingredients and um, get more mileage out of those images. So makes sense. Yeah. Cause one so, thing that I find also is that I'm, I might have a lot of sales uh, with one agency one month and not very many with another uh, at the same time, and then the next month it'll be reversed. And that's actually quite common, right. I hear as well. So that's one reason why it's good to be with more than one agency because there's the sales are up and down, right? Some you might not have very many or none, and then other times, depending on the time of the year or the month, it could be quite a bit higher, right? For right. example, summer tends to be a bit slower in terms of sales. Interesting. So that way you kind of get stability in a bit of your income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Sure. Mm -hmm. So this is stock um, selling of images is something you recommend to other food photographers um, in general. It's something that I have been recommending um, for, you know, students of mine that I work with or that are a certain level, I think it is a good way to make some side income and market yourself, have your work out there. Uh, but if you're thinking, oh, this is going to make you a living, <laughs> then that's probably not going to happen for quite a while without a lot of um, effort on your part. So it's something to think about. But I do think there have been good benefits to it. The problem right now is that the industry is really challenged with COVID-19 and what's happening um, in the world right now. And it, things have changed very, very quickly. And from what I know, talking to other photographers and people that I know within some of these agencies is that an unprecedented number of photographers are applying to get into these agencies right now because so many photographers are no longer working. Gigs have been canceled. Photographers right. that maybe are very established and never considered stock photography before and their images are a really high level. They're also applying for stock photography. So if this is something that you want to do right now, it might be a lot more difficult 
to get in and it might take you a long time to get any response. They're really inundated with applications from what I hear right now because photographers are just looking for a way to make some income because some of them have yeah. lost like all all possible income at the moment. So yes, that's absolutely. one thing to consider. Um, the other thing is seems that the sales for food in particular have gone down quite a bit. I've noticed that with my own portfolio. I think the advertising dollars for uh, food might actually not quite be there right now. Although I think that is starting to come up, especially in terms of, again, those healthier foods, right? I think a few months ago, companies had their images set or for, you know, magazines, they had images already chosen for, you know, future issues that were going out. And now I think there's maybe a trend towards, you know, healthy eating at home and cooking, that kind of thing. So I yeah. think those will, will come up again. So that's positive. Um, but I also think that right now that food photographers are better positioned than a lot of other photographers because we can work at home and Certainly. we can create images especially if we do have some you know good food styling skills which hopefully most of us do we're able to work alone in isolation and produce content right and yeah. I think one of the things that is going to happen um, you know it's really hard to predict what is happening of course. you know with the economy and how it's going to bounce back but I know from, you know, losing my job in 2009 and observing what was happening economically at that time and after and um, photographer friends that have worked through a couple of recessions that things tend to bounce back. And then when they bounce back, they actually bounce back quite hard because everybody all of a sudden needs content and it gets so busy that it's actually even hard to find food stylists and assistants and other staff because they're already booked out on other projects so that's one thing that I'm fingers crossed going that's to gonna happen <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm hoping that yeah there's going to you know business needs to go forward uh, the food True. industry in some way is very challenged right now but there's other parts or sectors of the food industry that are doing very well and True. a lot of clients are actually looking for images online so you know food-based product photography is something that food photographers right now are positioned very well to explore it's just a matter of um, you know being able to market those services and going after those clients so that's about one positive area i think one positive yeah. thing for food photographers right now as opposed yeah. to wedding photographers or oh yeah photographers yeah they lost all their business right now yeah yeah, yeah. that's so unfortunate yeah i know yeah that's that's indeed true and that's indeed very exciting and fingers crossed that's indeed what's gonna happen because yeah. yeah. um fingers crossed definitely yeah difficult okay um that's very very interesting i learned so much about stock um images and selling your images it's a very interesting topic for me and another thing that you mentioned in your article that I wanted to discuss mm -hmm. with you is actually selling photos for prints mm -hmm. is this something that you do and you uh, recommend other food photographers to consider 
Um, I think, again, this is something that I'm actually seeing a lot of photographers, whether they're shooting food or not, consider right now is selling prints through, you know, different websites, or I've even seen people selling prints through, you know, Instagram and contact me, that kind of thing. Um, as I mentioned in my article, there are some sites like Fine Art America where you can upload your images and clients can, or people basically coming to the site, they can order those images in a lot of different ways. They could even have that image, you know, printed on a tote bag or um, whatever. So it doesn't just have to be a print, but food photography, you know, makes really nice kitchen prints. And that's something that you can try to sell. And, um, there's also photographers that are selling, you know, prints through Etsy, for example. So they sell, um, uh, they set up a Etsy shop and then they send yeah. those prints to the purchaser through drop shipping basically. So they're not dealing with any of the shipping. The printer sends it to that client or purchaser directly. So that's one thing that I feel people can explore if they're interested in print. I personally do sell some of my images for print, but I do it directly. So people come to me directly looking for certain prints, and then I handle that through um, myself. I find that going through some of these bigger sites like Fine Art America, they can be great for a lot of people, but you really, really have to do a lot of marketing. Right, of course, because right. it disappears and it's a lot of um, yeah. supply, basically, in comparison to competition, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So if you're good at marketing or you like to do marketing or you have a lot of time for it, then definitely. Um, and I think the same is true if you want to sell you know, stock images through your site, right? So we talked about different agencies, but a lot of photographers also sell stock through their own sites, through you know, Smug Mug or Photo Shelter or some of these other web builders that have that capability. And that also requires a lot of marketing, right? So um, whether it's prints or, um, you know, digital files, there's different ways to approach it, but they do require uh, investment of time on your part in, Mm -hmm. you know, getting those images seen, right? People can't buy them if they don't know you're there. No, true. Yeah. And then um, if you sell prints, um, you deal then directly with a um, print shop, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, depending on where you live um, or where you're going to ship to, then you would find, there's lots of, you know, online printers. You can choose um, a printer in your area that you might want to deal with, or you might to just want to deal with uh, companies that are online and that do drop shipping so they can send it to the purchaser directly. Because if you have to, you know, go to a print shop, pick it up, mail it to somebody, go to the post office, that's a big investment of your time. And you might not actually be able to sell uh, the print for enough to offset the cost of the printing and basically the work that you have to do. So I think it's good to have a middleman or (laughs) drop shipping for that approach. Right, makes sense. That can yeah. actually help you with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in terms of the type of the print paper, print materials, is this something that you offer different options or? 
Yeah, I mean, you one of the things that when you're selling print, you want to make sure that your paper is museum archival quality, and that means that it's not going to change color or get yellowed very quickly because some of these other papers, they can do that very fast. So the quality of paper, you want some kind of fine art paper, probably more on the matte side of things. Yeah, I think so. So that will really make a big difference on how the ink adheres and the quality of ink is important. So I think that uh, whether you are going to print for actually selling prints or it's for your own like print portfolio that kind of thing that you actually test it out first so you have things printed from a few different places and compare them before you decide on a printer or where you're going to have things regularly printed right Okay, and do you see any differences with um, selling your prints right now with the COVID-19 or you don't see any effects of that um, on this part of your business? Um, I actually am not pursuing that right now as far as my business. I'm just pursuing the stock right. photography. And as mm -hmm. I mentioned, I've noticed quite a sharp decline in that in the last couple of months. And I'm hoping, and it, it seems to be coming up again now, so I'm hoping that's going to rebound. Um, I'm teaching now, I'm mentoring, I'm working on a couple of products. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's not an area of my business in particular where I'm seeing a lot of benefit, but it is something that I think it could be um, worth trying for other photographers that don't really have much of an income stream right now from other sources. Makes sense. Yeah. And is there any other income streams that you can think of besides uh, selling stock images and um, selling your prints? Of course, not taking into consideration working with the clients, I mean. Yeah, so I think it really depends on your level of photography. If you have more of like an intermediate or advanced experience in photography, I think always um, finding ways to teach or mentor people that are a few steps behind you um, is always a great idea because... Anybody can build an audience, even a small one, uh, will really appreciate what they do. That's one way. And I think right now it's it might not be a, a conducive way to make money at the moment, but just really looking into creating stronger portfolios and marketing materials that will get you work in the next few months hopefully when things start to to rebound back so yeah. focusing really on presenting yourself and marketing yourself as the best photographer you can be I think it's a good time right now because we get we get inundated with so many other things in our lives yeah. and um, some people have had the chance to slow down a bit so uh, what I'm seeing a lot of photographers doing that are in that position is really taking the time to redo their websites and do print portfolios and also pitching clients, going after clients instead of waiting for them to <laughs> come to, to you. Come to you. Uh -huh. reaching, reaching out in a sensitive way, basically saying, I, I'm able to shoot at home. I can help you. I can problem solve. Let's work together. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
because that's maybe not on top of the client's mind right now or they don't even think about the fact that you can work at home mm -hmm. and there's other ways like they don't necessarily have to be present in a shoot there's other ways to share with them your progress um, mm -hmm. during the shoot yeah. so I think that's a good uh, very good tip very good mm -hmm. idea yeah certainly yeah yeah um, okay, one of the last questions. I want to hold you too long. Um, mm -hmm. What would be your recommended books or podcasts or um, maybe even blogs about um, food photography and its business that you think um, everybody should just, uh, who's in food photography business okay. should? Yeah, so um, I think your audience would probably be familiar <laughs> with um, some of the ones that I would uh, mention. So um i noticed that you had lauren from food photography academy on i think uh, she's a good resource a lot of people are familiar with rachel from two love studio and joni from the bite shot she has a lot of um, videos on youtube that are very helpful um i also think that somebody that's been really helpful for me is uh, Christina Peters from Food Photography Club. So she is a professional photographer in Los Angeles. She's been around for about 25 years or so, and she has a membership site as well. But I think there is a perception that it's geared towards beginners, but actually there's a wide variety of uh, skill levels in that group. And um, I'm still a part of it. I've been part of it for the last few years and I just find her uh, really hands-on and she's a really good resource for me to go to for advanced, you know, lighting questions. But right. so somebody really good to consider, I guess, whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced photographer, because some of the, some of the teaching out there is geared a little bit more to beginners at least the ones mm -hmm. that I'm familiar with and one of the things that I struggled with when I was first starting out as I mentioned there weren't as many resources and then as time went along most of the ones that I could find were were beginners so I think um, Christina from Food Photography Club and also um, Skylar Burt from We Eat Together he has a wide variety that targets you know beginners intermediate and um, advanced users he has some courses that I think are really helpful he has a, a Lightroom course he has um, an advanced course about you know shooting commercial you know, beverages and then also a, a food photography masterclass mm -hmm. and creative live like Andrew Scrivani Penny de los Santos have a couple of great courses on creative live and I also really like some of the courses at ProEdu, P-R-O, and the second word, E-D-U. Uh -huh. They um, specialize in education for photographers, especially commercial photographers. And they have a couple of courses on editorial photography and commercial beverage photography, which are actually um, very high level and quite advanced which I, I appreciate. So those are a couple other things to look at. And as far as books, I think uh, Food Styling by Dolores Custer is a really important book. I think every food photographer that I know has it. It has like an encyclopedia of different food styling tips that are very useful. Nice. And also Helen Desjardins' book, 
uh, I think it's called food photography. I'm not, I'm not sure what it's called actually, and it might be out of print, but that's another one that's like very useful, especially for people that are, you know, beginners and starting out covers a lot, uh, not only about photography, but editing, food styling. And I think it's a great reference if you can, you know, maybe get it used on Amazon or something like that. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. yeah. So many good sources. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. Well, then the last question for you mm-hmm. would be, where can the listeners find you, especially if they want to learn more about your coaching and just your portfolio? Okay. So um, I have my portfolio website, um, but that's more for clients. So the best place to actually find me is my blog. I write a food photography blog. And it's called Gastrostoria. Gastrostoria. So it's basically um, about you know visual storytelling and food, and I cover some of the business side. And if you go to that again, gastrostoria.com, then there's there's tabs there. You can go find out um, more about my mentoring. I have a page nice. there that gives you the details about my program, and then there's also a tab there for my ebook. I wrote a ebook about composition, which is really useful yeah. for, especially for beginners, but also all levels of uh, food photography. So you can find out more about that there as well. And the site is going to be getting like a little bit of a, a refresh soon, but for now, um, gastrostoria.com is where you can go Best place. to find me more. And then if you want to take a look at my portfolio, you, you can click to that from one of the tabs there as well great awesome awesome well thank you very much this was a wonderful conversation and i learned so much from you i I had so much fun thank you thank you i had so much fun and thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it